Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's Vindo with Robert Holmshead. Hey, good day to you, Bob. Now, lovely day. Today's, lovely day. Sean. Yeah, it is. Um, I just want a quick shout out. We're marking uh, Remembrance Day tomorrow up here in Canada. So, uh, you know, all the past and present uh, people serving, thats it's a huge day for everybody. So uh, thank you to everybody. And I know a lot of people are thinking about a lot of different people. So it's huge. Anyways, um, I digress a bit, but this is one of the conversations we're going to have today. Um, one of the most profound things I think that people don't think about when, when they're looking at market reports, when they're thinking about what is the market and when they're acquiring vehicles. And that is the topic of who is the best end user? What is the best end user? And how do, how should dealers think about it when they're acquiring vehicles? So I don't know if I can tee that up correctly, but uh, off to you. Thanks, Johnny. And by the way, it is the Marine Corps birthday today, the day before your uh, Memorial Day. And uh, tomorrow's my wife's birthday, so I don't know how that has anything to do with anything, but there it is. Bottom bang right. and so forth. Good stuff. In the meantime, Shoney, it's a, it's, this is not a, like a, it's profound when you think about it, but it's the simplest thing in the world, right? It's something we've been dealing with since the beginning of time when there was auction sheets going back into the 70s, right? Bordentown, Mannheim had a little sheet that came out. Everybody walked around with it in the right hip pocket, along with a gal's book to understand what cars are worth. But what market reports actually uh, enumerate is who was the best end user for that particular car on that day in that lane under certain circumstances, right? So, you know, over the decades, we've built tools that are, are you know, let's say designed to help dealers understand what we believe cars are worth and what we pay for them and uh, why they would see data in a certain way and, and others in a different way. So we stop and think about it. We all the time constantly hear, this is not a criticism, a statement of fact, um, what one brought at the auction, what one brought at the auction. And then the inference is, well, then you should pay what it brought at the auction because, you know, one happened to bring that price at the auction. So stop and think about that for a second. When you have a pricing tool that you have thousands of dealers using on an interdaily basis, do they really want to be paying or trading at the best end user price? In other words, so let's, let's define best end user. You walk into an auction, whether it's big or small, and I think you told me today you got 600 dealers that come to your auction on, a, on on your sale day. And, you know, at our little auction in Mannheim, Pennsylvania, there's 6,500 dealers that have a bidder badge um, to come to an auction. So 6,500 people theoretically have access from around the world, by the way, have because in certain instances, they're a better end user for certain cars at different places. But each one of the transactions that an exporter pays more than anyone else would pay for the car as the best end user, we then assume that when you're trading a car, uh, you should be trading it for best end user money. And therefore, the uh, the concept is a complete and absolute self-inflicted brain fart. Uh, in other words, think about this for a second. If if And you hear it all the time. I mean, you heard it from the beginning of time. Oh, I'm a buyer for anything. I'll, I'll, I'll pay the most for anything. If that were true, why do we need more than one bidder badge going to an auction that tomorrow we're going to sell 6,000 cars in? It wouldn't, you, won't, you only need one person because they're going to buy every single car for the most money. You don't need a second or a third person to, 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 to think that the car is worth more or less. But obviously, it's a t complete and total 
nonsensical concept. Let's just break that down. So for decades, we've sold, um, you know, um, CarMax cars in our lane. And for decades, they've had a designated buyer in our lane, bell to bell. Sometimes they leave 20 cars short, you know, 2.30 in the afternoon, but they're there from the first car to the last car. And they look at every single car prior to the auction. So a car with a bad Carfax, they know what painted, what, what not painted. Therefore, they don't need to know minor, major. They just know what the Carfax implicates. They also know what the CR means if the CR writer was alive or dead when he wrote the CR. And, and then when you think about this, they have concrete shoes on, concrete. In other words, the ones that are attached to the floor of the auction, where they don't move for the entire 9 a.m. till 3.30 p.m. period of time where we're selling our hamburgers. Okay. Now, if that's true, and they pay the most, they pay this, they pay that. I love them. They're, they're very astute buyers. Uh, I can look and see, you know, uh, what different people pay and whether they actually know what they're buying or not buying because I can see the quality of the car they're buying and how much they pay relative to the market. But when it's all said and done, you got 623 cars there. They bought six, 12. Oh, a big day. They bought 20. Uh, it means they're not the best end user on the other 554. You see that? And it's the same thing when we watch, you know, all of, name anybody. It don't matter who you're naming. There isn't a best end user for all cars. The market will reveal a better end user on the vast majority of all cars. So when you use a pricing tool, and we're saying target trade is X, there's a reason for that. Um, it, it's to start at a number where everybody knows that it's absolutely a check. It's not a nonsensical book value. It's associated with something you can go ahead and get a check with. So it's not an opinion. It's a statement of fact of, of being able to draw money out of somebody's checkbook, mine, uh, for that particular unit. And we also recognize 100% of the time that we're not able to pay best end user money or we'd be out of business the same day. If you got 150 million in inventory, it don't matter. It'd be going on a week for one reason. You can't pay what they bring back. Otherwise, you won't be in existence. And for that also same reason, we recognize the fact that there's a target auction price. Now, the target auction price is if you happen to fall in the category of a buyer for one store, 27 stores, don't ring in there, for a category of cars that is sensible for you to purchase, the probability that you will pay more than what we're saying you would like to trade that bitch for is extraordinarily high. As we all know, P numbers never make the profit that a trade, an A number does, uh, 742A. Okay, that's a trade-in. Um, 742P. Oh, that's a purchase car. Not only were you the best end user in front of 6,000 other potential buyers, you paid a $782 auction fee. Okay, so the probability of that car making a profit or, or a, a, a chubby profit is algebraically less than one that you actually trade at the store based on a hand-to-hand -hand combat situation with a consumer where we're laying out the reasons why your car is worth what it's worth in a logical, premise-based circumstance, good or bad Carfax, good or bad equipment, good or bad color, good or bad miles, good or bad dinner scratch. Mm. Now we come to the conclusion of what the car actually is. We've actually exposed the DNA of the vehicle. 
Now, based on that, when we show market data, how many has, who has, how long they've been there, all the rest of it, we can come to the conclusion that if you're a better end user, not the best, but the better end user, there's a target auction price. What you would expect to pay for that car if you didn't smash your head into a wall uh, or walking into the building, believing you're going to buy every car that's in the building that day. It doesn't mean that you're not going to buy cars. It just means that that's the price that we believe, that if you bought it for that price and you are a better, a better, not the best, but a better end user, and you brought it home and certified it, put it on the front line, you absolutely will fall in the category of a competitive retail ask price. Okay. Now, the question becomes, what relevance does the market report have when it comes to deciding to make the comment that, well, this one brought that much. Does that mean that you want to prove that you would pay more than 6,000 people that actually had access to buy that car that day? And therefore, when you think of it that way, it starts to actually lend credence to the idea, of course, if it brought X at an auction, it could be worth that to the best end user on that day in that particular marketplace. But how does that convert in terms of how you want to enter that car into your inventory? As the moron that's been welded into their cars or the thinking person that takes into consideration that other people may or may not use their brain when they're bidding on a car, but more importantly, have a customer for a specific car or fall into the trap of bidding against their neighbor that happens to be bidding, and just because he's bidding, you're bidding, and they lock up on that unit. Of course, I'm happy as a pig in poop at that point. They lock up on that unit, and the car can bring irrational money. Now, when that shows up as the statistic on a market report, do you want to be the person that trumps that unit? <laughs> um, I think the only logical answer could possibly be, of course not. It's It's irrational. Does that make any sense to you, Johnny? Because since you bumped into this and you bump into it frequently with, with dealers saying, well, you know, a car brought, uh, your tool said 72,000, one brought 73. Yeah, um, probably did bring 73. Do you want to trade it for 73 and then find out what it needs in the shop and then do whatever machinations you're going to do to get on the front line and then ask more than market value? Because don't forget, very frequently, even in today's recessive market where everybody's walking around, you know, looking over their shoulder, wondering well, what other guys are doing because they can't figure out how they're buying and paying that much for a car because the market's in free fall. Um, you know, do you want to be the, the one that's trying to figure out how you're going to get back out of that car before you even start and, and pay best end user money for it when you're trading it? Of course not. And therefore, the, the theory and the, let's call it the philosophy behind the tool is there's a price that um, there's an insurance policy behind the trade, right? And then if you decide based on your criteria that the vehicle turns out to be something that you would be excited to purchase at an auction at a particular price, that's the target auction price. If you go beyond that, doesn't mean you're not going to make a profit. Everybody gets lucky here and there. There's no question about that. Um, um, but the question is, do you, do you really want to actually, you know, live on the edge of a razor blade where you're rolling dice, assuming that it's always going to hit red? Does that make sense yeah. to you, Sean? That, that's wonderful. So just let's tie, tidy this up then. How to how do you 
you approach market reports. So you've always talked about the market reports. Surely, like that listen, table, there's nothing. The there's nothing better than a market report. Nothing at all. We've used them since we were children. Like I say, the the the, the auction sheets were. If you left the home without them, you had to turn around back home or go steal them off of somebody else's desk. You you can't go through life without auction sheets, which turned into you know MMR, which turned into whatever we have and whatever we use today. There's no question. You like to have a reference. It's what I use the analogy of satellite data coming from two and three and five satellites. You're going to zone in much better as to, in terms of where you are. Right? Google Maps five. Satellite dishes show you exactly where you are and how you're moving. So, of course, it's always going to be a, a satellite dish, the data coming from that dish to say north and south or east and west. And then the rest of the information lets you lock in to a quarter of an inch of where your big toe is standing, right? And some of it will always be gut. Some of it will always be, hopefully, data. Some of it will always potentially be what somebody else would pay for that car, in a non-auction setting, and that's what you would call a target trade price back with a check. You follow me? Now, and, and don't forget, not only is it a check that we're trying to, we're not trying to steal anything from anybody. We're just saying you can start at this number with no fear because there's a check there. But we simultaneously show all of the data that would surround it as you become, um, um, let's call it a better end user of that vehicle, right? It, it, you can make a rational decision from the other satellite data your history with that type of car, um, um, your neighbor's uh, history with those cars, um, the general market of days in market, how many there are and where they are. In other words, all these data bits turn out to be satellite dish, uh, like uh, uh, um, beaming in to the brain of the person that's actually using um, data-driven decisions with insurance policies and traditional sources of information, you know, a regular old auction report. It, it, the, the problem also, and we're even seeing it now as, as there starts to be factory sales coming back for the first time in three years. So if you're a newbie, you wouldn't even know what that means. Well, what it really means is if you're looking at factory results on a auction report, the probability that a regular seller is actually going to be able to duplicate those numbers is an absolute brain fart. Okay. And therefore, to even use that data um, as anything relevant to what you're going to make a decision for you uh, uh, buying or trading a car is truly nonsensical. Now, do we want to see the information? Of course, you'd like to see it. But how you actually uh, stratify it in terms of the importance of, of how you're using that information, you need to look at the category of who is selling the unit. Uh, and if it's a factory sale, you can't put it in the same category as something that it's a dealer sale at a particular uh, in a particular marketplace. Hopefully, that is not too much uh, um, circular uh, conversation where it might be confusing to a user. But we find that to be, um, you know, after millions of transactions, very uh, 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 useful. Uh, in our uh, decision-making processes on a daily basis, Shoney. Yep, Bob, uh, thank you for crystallizing that. I think I got it, it sunk in. We'd have to do it again, but that was really, it's, really good. It's fine, really buddy, it's, it's my inability to be articulate. It's, 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 it's obviously like famous, you know what I mean? Um, but, <laughs> all good. Uh, uh, all right, buddy, have fun, everybody. Talking.